Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Verse 17. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought, we were brought here because of the silver that was put into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. Now, I don't know why he'd throw you a feast to do that. He could just do that right then and there. It reminded me of this book that I read. This is kind of a tangent here. Um, It was called Peace Child, and it was this account of a missionary who went to these cannibalistic tribes in New Guinea. There were all these different tribes in New Guinea, and they were extremely violent towards each other. In fact, so violent... This culture that they were raised up in and, and so, so much at war with each other that they valued treachery. Treachery was a characteristic that was highly valued. It was a heroic value. If you could, they called it fatten them up for the slaughter. You would befriend someone from another tribe and you would pretend like you were their friend and you would earn their trust until you would invite them over for dinner one night and they would be dinner. It was sick. I mean, the, the book is crazy. And this missionary finds a way to relate Jesus to them. It's through their, this concept in the tribe called a peace child. Check the book out. It's really a, it's an amazing book. When this guy told them the gospel the first time, they thought Judas was the hero because he was treacherous, because he deceived Jesus, supposedly, right? But of course, Jesus knew. But that's how twisted it was. So maybe, maybe that's how things were in Egypt. They're like, well, he's... He's fattening us up like the pig for the slaughter. He just wants to kill us here tonight. And sadly, guys, tragically, there are a lot of people who have this same perspective of God. They think that God is out to get them. A lot of people are like that. Or or that God is just waiting to ambush them. Oh, I can't go to church, man, because that's I know the Lord, He's going to ambush me as soon as I get in there. You know, but that's not how God works. God isn't, God isn't into baiting you just so that He can hurt you or harm you. That's not, how, that's not how the Lord works. That's how the devil works. That's how the enemy works. In fact, the enemy is all about fattening the pig for the slaughter. The, the enemy will promise you freedom, but he will deliver bondage to you. He will enslave you. The enemy will promise you pleasure, but he will bring pain and suffering into your life. But that's not how God works. God isn't shifty. God isn't a schemer like that. He's not trying to trick you or pounce on you or any of that. God is, His character, He's merciful. He's patient. He's slow to anger. God is gracious. God delights in blessing His children. This is His character. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessings of the Lord make rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. Like, God doesn't desire to throw guilt trips on people for no reason. Just because you're having too much fun, you need to start feeling guilty. That's, that's not God, right? But being, these guys are nervous that they might be ambushed at any moment. And so they're like, okay, we got we to gotta say something and, and really clear the air about not paying for the grain last, last trip here. Verse 19, it says, So they went up to Joseph's steward, and they spoke to him at the entrance to the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. 
We came down here the first time to buy food, but at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each one of us found his silver the exact weight in the mouth of his sack. So we've brought it back here with us. Like, please don't kill us. Here it is, if this is what you guys might be wanting to kill us for. We've also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. So they're just freaking out. They're like, man, I got I to gotta make this right. We are looking really bad right now. We look like thieves. It kind of reminds me of that time as a parent when you get all your kids out of the grocery store and load them up into the car, and then you look back in the rearview mirror and your three-year-old's got a lollipop that you didn't pay for, right? You're like, oh, great. And then the first thing I think is like, somebody in there recognized me as a pastor, and they're going to think, he lets his kids steal candy. That's my first thought. And my second thought is like, you couldn't have stole a Snicker bar? Like, if we're going to do this, let's, let's make it worthwhile, kid. You know? No, I'm just kidding. And then so, so you, we rush back into the store to make it right. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, my kid took this and here, here, you know, keep, keep, keep the change. And, and you realize, oh, oh, we were giving out free lollipops that day. Oh, okay. That's kind of, that's kind of what happened to these guys right here. Uh, only a little scarier. Verse 23, he's like, it's all right. He said, don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. So technically he did receive their silver, but then he put it back. So he wasn't lying. Then the steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet and, provide, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. So... They're getting ready. The, the servant is just taking good care of them, feeding their donkeys, washing, their, washing them up for this, dinner, this, uh, this lunch with Joseph. And I wonder how long they had to wait for Joseph to get there. And I just wonder what their conversations were. Obviously, they had some catching up to do with Simeon. He's like, what took so long? You guys seriously ate all the grain before coming back for me? I wonder if that was the conversation that, that they talked about a little bit. Uh, verse 26, when Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts that they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. And he asked them how they were. And then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? And they replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. And then deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. And he went into his private room and he wept there. So he sees his brother and he sees like he's, he's good. He's in good health. And he sees like his own. I don't know if you have siblings that look like you, but it's crazy when you see them, especially if you haven't seen him for a little while. And he's like just overwhelmed with emotion and he's, He's like about to go into ugly cry. And so he like, he's running around trying to find a room to where he can ugly cry, you know. And he, he, find, he goes into his, his chambers. Um, but I think as we look at Joseph's heart here, it's so tender toward Benjamin and even towards his brothers. And I feel like this, this is a real glimpse of the heart of God for his people, for his kids. You know, Joseph wants so badly to just embrace them right there. Like, oh man, I just want... I just want things to be right. I just want to be reconciled right now. This was the heart of Jesus. In Luke 19, it tells us that Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. He, he saw the state that they were in. He saw it was the end of his ministry towards the end. 
and he, he saw the rejection. He knew they would, but it still broke his heart. And it says he wept over the city of Jerusalem. Just the previous chapter, Jesus said, Jerusalem, he says, how long I wanted to gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. Like this tender heart for these people, this, this motherly, nurturing love. And you see that in Joseph here as well. But that's the heart of God. He said, but you were not willing. Jesus was heartbroken because they weren't willing to receive what He had to offer. We see this in the story of the prodigal son, right? When the, the father runs to meet the son. He sprints. Pastor Robert just taught on this recently. He talked about how, you know, it's not an honorable thing for an older man to run. And in fact, all of the pages of Scripture, it's the only time that God is depicted as running. As like putting an effort to get somewhere fast. God is never in a hurry. You realize that? God, is, God doesn't have to rush through and try and get somewhere because He's going to be late. He holds time in His hand, but He ran to the son who was returning. He ran to that, recon- that moment of reconciliation. And that's the heart of God. God longs for that moment where you and I would, would be finally before Him, reunited with Him. Those of us who are in Christ, and we would be reconciled to Him. That's the heart of God. He longs for that day. And Joseph's, Joseph shows that here in his heart. He longs for his brothers. Verse 31 After he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself, he washed all of his Egyptian guy liner off that we talked about last week because it was all dripping, all of his his eyeliner. Uh, He washed himself up and he said, serve the food. And they served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians so it was kind of like the holiday meal scene where you got like the main grown-up table and like the little kid table over here and that's kind of what it reminds me of. But the Egyptians, they, there was a custom where you wouldn't eat with a Hebrew. It was just detestable to them. And it's interesting because Joseph is their boss. But they're like, sorry boss, I can't, I can't eat with you. And he respects it. Like he's, res- he's respectful of their, of their hang-ups and their cultural issues. Oh, no, that's cool. I totally get it. And so they they eat by themselves. The brothers are all at a big table, and I'd imagine he's like up by, he's probably up the stage a little bit, like overlooking everybody, eating his thing, eating his meal there. 33, and the men had been seated before him in order of their ages, from the first to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. Like, how on earth could they have known Nobody told them our ages. Uh, I think the math is uh, 11 factorial, where, you know, 11 times 10 times 9 times 8 times 7, all the way on down. And I think it's 1 out of 40 million to randomly get 11 people in a row, according to their age. I mean, so it's obviously, it's not a, they're like, this is not a coincidence, this is crazy. Something's up here. So Joseph, is, he's really hint-dropping in a huge way. And then he goes a little farther here, verse 34. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else. So they feasted and drank freely with him. So Benjamin, the youngest brother, he gets five, he's this huge pile. He got both turkey legs 
throwing on the mashed potatoes, right? Like he's, his pile of food is just outrageous. And some have said maybe this was a test as well. They wanted to see how they would respond to, to the younger brother being more blessed to them. And it seems like they passed the test here. But this chapter, it began with famine. It began with fear. And it ends with feast. And it ends with cheer. And despite all this hint dropping, they're still completely oblivious to the identity that this is Joseph who's blessing them. It's, it's, they're, they're oblivious to the tests that Joseph is giving them. They have no idea. Joseph is like playing this game and they have no idea they're even a part of it. And it's not much different than our lives. There's a lot of things that we fear in life, a lot of things that we're worried about that God's like, I've got this. Things that start with famine, things that start with fear and they end with cheer in the Lord. Right? They end with feasting in the Lord. That's so often what happens with the Lord. But oftentimes, we're also completely oblivious to, the, to God's provisions. Like they have no idea this is their brother that loves them and he's, he's the one providing all these things for them. They had no idea it was Joseph who gave them their money back. They, they, they're oblivious to all this. They're just like, what on earth is going on here? But Joseph is just smiling as he blesses them. And that's God. That's so often God in our lives. We're just oblivious to the, to the blessings. Even the little things throughout the day, God's like, whoa, I just averted a huge tragedy in your life. You're welcome. And we're like, I had no idea what just happened. And, and God's, cool. God's cool with that. He'll show us one day. He'll show us one day. But they're also completely oblivious to the tests, like I said. And that's also true of a lot of believers. In fact, Jesus said, when he talked about the difference between the sheep and the goats, you guys remember that parable? He said, God will separate the two. And he said to the sheep, he'll say, you, you saw me naked and in prison and sick. You did all these things unto me. And they're like, when, when did we do that unto you? They were oblivious to the, to the moments of testing in their life where they passed. They were oblivious to it. Like, when, when did we do that? He said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. The same was true about the wicked. They were oblivious to the, to the little tests that God had in their life. Well, when did we not see you, Jesus? When you didn't do it to the least of these, he said, you didn't do them unto me. And it's very likely that the things that we did to bring God the most joy in our life, like the things that like, really psyched God up about watching you be Christ-like are probably things you didn't even realize you did in the moment. There will be things like that where God reveals to you, do you remember when you did this? That was a little test and you passed amazingly. Like the angels were singing out. You're like, but all I did was say hi to that. I know, I know, but it was, we saw your heart. You know, like these little tests and we're totally oblivious to them so often. The brothers at this point are thinking, wow, man, this guy likes pistachios, probably. <laughs> I bet it was the pistachios, you know? And, and Jake's like, no, you guys don't get it. Like, I love you. You're my brothers. You're my family. And that's the heart of God for us. But the reconciliation, we're going to have to pause. It's not going to happen yet. So a little bit of a cliffhanger. We'll wait till next week because they've brought Benjamin but they, J- Joseph still wants to see if their hearts are tender toward, Joseph, toward, toward Benjamin. He wants to see 
if they will throw Benjamin under the bus. And so he comes up with a plan to bring out their true colors, and it'll have to wait till next week to check it out. You can read it, though, and do some homework and be prepared for next week. So let's all stand, and let's pray. And God, we thank you, God, that you are just faithful in our lives. We thank you, God, that you are working in the midst of us even when we don't realize it. The little details, the big details, the things that freak us out, and the things that we don't even notice. You're in the mix of all of it, God. And the greatest thing that we thank you for is that you are good and we can trust you in all these things. And so this is just a continual reminder through the life of Joseph, through the life of his brothers, and we believe, God, that you are for us. Lord, and I pray for those who have not received Jesus, Lord, that they would take this time, this opportunity, this season of grace that you have extended to the world to reveal the truth of Jesus, that they would take this opportunity even now, those listening to this message who haven't, and they would receive Jesus. Even like the brothers brought Benjamin, Lord God, before Joseph, that they would have the wisdom to engage in a relationship with Jesus Christ for the salvation of their souls. Lord, everything is on the line. And as we've said before, apart from Christ, every situation and circumstance is a waste. It's a path of waste. It's a path of perdition apart from Christ. And so I pray, God, that according to your love, according to your abundant mercies, you would reach out. You would save the lost. You would take this Scripture that we've covered tonight and bear fruit in the hearts of people tonight. That you would take this message in all the various platforms that it's played and you would use it to plant seeds of salvation in the hearts of those who don't believe. May your kingdom be furthered. May more come to the family. May more be invited to the table of your feast, Jesus, because you're gracious. You're slow to anger, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so we wait and we choose to be faithful as your followers so that more would be saved. And so we end tonight with this, with this request, God, that you would reach out, that you would save now, Hosanna. And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're hearing this and you'd like to give your life to the Lord now, I invite you to take the next step. Text the words, Ready for Jesus, to 94000, and we can follow up with you. One of our leaders will be able to contact you and get you some free resources to help you grow in the faith. We invite you to come out to our in-person services every Thursday evening at Calvary Tucson's East Campus in the coffee shop area. We meet at 6.30 p.m. for coffee, and our service starts at 7 p.m. In the meantime, keep reading, keep praying, and keep worshiping. God bless you. Down